You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, it's been a minute, a little hiatus for the uh, Helipod post-draft. Last episode with uh, John Beck, who was the quarterback coach for Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson was a good one. And I think this one's going to be fantastic as well. Joining me now, one of my buddies from NFL Network. And one of the great stories, in my opinion, in NFL history with all that he's overcome is James Jones. JJ, what's up, brother? What's going on, my man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you. James Jones, of course, uh, Super Bowl champion, eight years in Green Bay, one year in Oakland, uh, led the NFL in receiving touchdowns back in 2012 with 14 touchdown grabs. And uh, of course, you knew we had to start with this because the guy throwing the rock back then is Aaron Rodgers. What's going on with your boy? Man, I don't know, man. I, what I what I do know is they need to get this thing fixed and they need to get it fixed fast and in a hurry. But man, it's just to be honest with you, it's just he, it's just some built up frustration between him and the organization, man. That, like I said on TV, man, it's fixable, man. Sit down, have the conversation, you know, iron out what you need to iron out and get this thing going on the right on the right track, man. You know, Aaron, he's seen so many guys, you know, leave the building. You know what I mean? That was real key center stones to you know, to winning championships, you know what I mean? And, you know, he seen myself wanted to come back and, you know, they let me go. He seen Jordy wanted to come back and they let him go. He seen Julius Peppers wanted to come back and they let him go. TJ Lang, Charles Woodson. I mean, you could go all the way down and list some key guys who left the building and went on to really play some really good football. So, you know, it's, it's a little frustrating, you know, you know, to him when you see guys like that walk out of the building that's been really, you know, key center stones in the building, not just on the field, but in the locker room as well. We all know you need them dudes in the locker room, man, to get them rookies and get them, you know, them young guys. Hey, man, shut up. Do your job. It ain't about all oh, your money and your stats and all that right now. It's about winning some dang ball games, and you need those guys in the locker room. So, you know, it's just, it's just a little frustration, but it's something that can be fixed. I don't see him going anywhere. I think he's going to finish his career in Green Bay however long he wants to play. I think they're going to make that happen. Well, it's funny, that whole laundry list of names, uh, a lot of big <laughs> names on that list, right? It's yeah. crazy. And you hear that, yeah. like, maybe the straw that broke the camel's back was Jake Kumaro last year. And people are like, <laughs> Kumaro, like, you know, he, he's, yeah. a, he's a fourth, fifth wide receiver at best. But to your yeah. point – these are guys that Aaron had a strong relationship with and a bond with. It's like when you came back to Green Bay after that one year in Oakland, you guys exactly. didn't miss a beat, man. It, you know? Exactly. And, and and that's one of the things. And, and I know people hear the Jake Kumaro, but like I just said, the names that I just named you was way before Jake Kumaro. So right. this has been built up. He's been seeing this happen, you know, for a long time. And like you said, when I came back, you know what I mean? I could finish Aaron's sentences, whatever Aaron's thinking, saying, I could finish them. That's just the type of chemistry we had. That's the type of chemistry him and Jordy Nelson had, him and Randall Cobb had. And yeah, okay, we lost a step, you know, 
hey, money may be an issue, but it was some guys who was willing to take a pay cut, a big, 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 big pay cut, Dan, <laughs> to come back, you know, right. and they were like, no, you can't come back anyway. And Aaron's like, wait, you know what I mean? Like I've been thought of through plenty of touchdowns to this dude. I understand we like our young guys, but give our young guys another year to develop, bring guys like James Jones back, bring guys like Jordy Nelson back who I got chemistry with, you know what I mean? Who will really be productive on, on the football field. So it's just tough right now, just seeing certain guys like that walk out of the business and, that, and, and out of the building. And as we know, when you talk about quarterbacks, especially when you talk about hall of fame quarterbacks, the first thing you go to, you don't go to stats, you go to super bowl rings. So he right. knows how important, a super another Super Bowl ring is to his career. Well, you go to Super Bowl rings and you go to wins, right? Quarterback is the only mm-hmm. position and head coaches that have wins yep. attached to that title. I don't That's know it. that there's another team out there that gives Aaron a better chance to win. I guess my question for you, JJ, is what does he want? How do you fix this situation there? He just wants everybody to get on the same page, man. You know, and it's it's not about him coming up there and say, I want to keep Dan. I want to keep James. I want to keep Lindsay. I want to keep Audie. It's not about that. It's just about, hey, man, let's get on the same page. We all in this thing together. I understand I just work for you guys, but I'm a big part of this thing, too. Like, hey, let me have a little input on some of these guys that you letting outside the building because one more year, if we could keep these guys for one more year, we possibly could win a Super Bowl with these guys. You know what I mean? So just before you let some of these guys go, that's in the building. You know what I mean? He's not talking. Right. I don't, I, he, he has no control about who you bring in and how you bring him in, what free agents, you know what, but the guys that are in the building on the offense and defensive side of the ball that he knows is key pieces to the puzzle even though you think, all right, he didn't have 15 sacks. We're going to just let him go. No, hey, he's respected in the locker room. These dudes respect him. You know what I mean? I'm in the locker room. I know what he means to our team. Hey, let's keep him from, keep him from one more year. He just wants he just wants everybody to get on the same page a little bit more say-so when it comes, comes to that certain stuff with guys in the building instead of just letting guys go, you know, so fast and, and, and not even really getting his input on them especially when you're talking about if it's guys that he's throwing to or handing off to or blocking for him, you know, get it, get his input on that. And then you see guys like Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay and say, Hey, Bruce, Hey, I'll get a B right. Just bring him in. (laughs) You know what I mean? You see, you see situations. That does not go unnoticed from Aaron Rodgers, does it? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, well, you know what's going on? It's like, gosh, I can't keep my guys that's in the building. This dude is getting guys that, you know, possibly in trouble, possibly can get, you know, suspended for the season, but they still, you know, giving Tom these weapons. So he just wants them to be on the same page, man. And like I said, I think it's it's definitely fixable with him, the GM and the head coach. They could get this thing going, get it rolling, and get 12 back in the building, slinging a rock. What do you think about what Devontae said with uh... – him entering the final year of his contract saying, Hey, you know, <laughs> if maybe if Aaron's not here, that, that will impact what I do. Kind of common sense. I think. <laughs> hey, no doubt about it. You talk about the best quarterback on the planet, throwing you the football. It's your contract year. It's like, okay, you know, if y'all ain't going to do nothing with 12, either give me my contract that's due to me, or, you know, I might have some decisions that I got to make too, when it's talking about coming to this football thing. You know what I mean? Because a lot of stuff I'm hearing, you know, you haven't really seen a lot of stuff from Jordan Love. So you can't really get, uh, you can't really get a, a really good evaluation on him because he ain't been in preseason. He hasn't been in these games. He hasn't been able to do any of that. So, you know, I kind of feel Devontae on that, man. When you're coming down to your contract year, you got to make sure you look out for yourself and your family. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Um, 
Well, I, I don't want to say enough about Aaron, but I don't want to grill you all about Aaron. I want to do talk. I want to talk a little bit about the James Jones story because I, I think this should be a 30 for 30 or a football life. <laughs> and it should be two hours long because what you have overcome and the adversity you have faced is, uh, is, is really unbelievable. And I think a lot of people who are Packers fans or Raiders fans or San Jose state fans may have heard your story, but I think there's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast who haven't. And, you know, the reason it's so remarkable is because essentially off and on for the first 15 years of your life, you were homeless bouncing around from homeless shelter to homeless shelter with your, your mother and your sister, I believe. And, and you, you finally found some stability later in life. But I guess my first question would just be when you look back on that time, there's probably a lot that you chose to forget, but mm-hmm. what resonates with you and what sticks with you? What do you remember most about those early years bouncing around from shelter to shelter? Man, to be honest with you, what I remember most is just watching my mom, man. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my mom was, you know, from this job to that job, you know, I didn't see my mom stand on corners, panhandle and all that, just to scrounge up some money to get us a motel. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'd have seen her stand on front of corners and scrounge some money to give me and my sister a hot dog or something out of the 7-Eleven, man. And just just really watching her sacrifices and seeing how hard she was trying to work to, to make sure we had, you know, what we had out of the out of the situation we was given, man. You know, I just really respected her, man. And I and I watched that. And, and as a young kid, you know, even though you're in the homeless shelter, you can ask all these questions about, man, why, why me, you know, why my mom don't got a job? Why my mom doing this? Why my mom doing that? Where's my dad at? All them questions. I kind of just took it as like, dang, man, we in this crazy situation. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sleeping under the bridge and tents. I'm sleeping on park benches. You know, I'm in and out of motels. I'm in and out of homeless shelters, but at the same time, every morning, you know, my mom got up, she made sure that whatever she had to do to put some food on her belly, whatever she had to do to make sure that we was going to be OK. She did, man. And and like I said, it, it wasn't a big old house. It wasn't all this. We, yeah, we was homeless, but I just seen all the sacrifices she made. And I'm like, man, that's that's a strong woman, man. And it kind of, you know, watching her, you know, is the reason why I still grind and I do all the things that I got to do for my family, you know, whatever means necessary. What? Would you go to school every day? Would you get up in the homeless shelter or from wherever you were sleeping? Like, did you make it to school every day? I did, man. And I, I, I tell my kids all the time, like, y'all don't know how blessed y'all are. You know what I mean? Y'all, y'all, <laughs> mom, y'all mommy wake up every morning. Daddy wake up every morning, take y'all to school. I said, daddy was seven years old. You know, my youngest son is seven. You know what I mean? And I said, daddy was seven years old and daddy had a bus route. You know what I mean? I had to, and it, and it wasn't, I said, it wasn't a school bus, son. Right. <laughs> I wasn't standing on the corner and the school bus coming to get me. I had 50 cents from my mom and I got on that public transportation, man, to elementary school. And I went to seven different elementary schools because we moved around. We was homeless. We moved around so much. So I went to seven different elementary schools. So I said I had a bus route. And then I said, as I got older and older, I said, and you know, we wanted to stay at certain schools. I had to get on the light rail, which is 
used to train out here. I, so I had a bus route and a train route. You know what I mean? So I did go to school every day. My mom made sure I went to school every day, you know. But, yeah, I had my own bus route, man, at seven years old. One of the scariest times of my life, you know what I mean? Because I'm getting on the bus. It's homeless people. It's bums. It's crazy people on these public transportation, man. And I'm seven years old. You know what I mean? But I became really good friends with the bus drivers. <laughs> Sit right by the bus drivers when I get on the bus, man. And he makes sure I get off my stop, man, right by school and get on the school. That's wild. I, yeah. you know, I, I mean, your youngest is seven. My, my oldest, yeah. I have a 15 year old daughter and a soon to be 14 year old son. And, and I'll be honest with you, James, living in LA, <laughs> I, I probably would put them on a bus by themselves right now. 100% man I'm telling you man it's, it's some crazy people on the bus you see a lot of crazy things on the bus man it was some of the scariest times of my life but like I said man I was very smart at that age man get by the bus driver <laughs> act like he or she was my mom or dad you know and you know became best friends with them they made sure that I got to got to where I needed to be man but yeah man I tell my kids man y'all don't y'all don't even know you know what I mean so it was tough man you know growing up like that like I said, you always have the, the questions and, you know, you want to ask your mom, you know, why, why us? But, you know, I just continue to keep grinding, man, continue to try to handle my business. And, you know, my, my dream was to get my mom out of that situation, man. And as, as a young kid, you know, the NFL was something I was chasing. Did you play Pop Warner football? When did you start playing ball? So it's a crazy story, man, because, you know, Pop Warner nowadays is $600, but back then it was $200, $300. So, you know, I, I wouldn't even fix my lifts to ask my mom to pay for me to play no Pop Warner football, <laughs> you know, because I already know we homeless. She's scrounging up $20, you know what I mean, to get us a motel. So that that was out. But um, one time I was outside playing football at the homeless shelter and every probably month or so, a family comes, an organization comes, and they donate a meal to the homeless shelter. Um, this particular time, uh, my Pop Warner football coach, Marion Larea, his family and his organization came and donated a meal. And he seen me outside playing football, and he asked the people at the homeless shelter, whose son is that out there playing football? And they said, that's Janet Jones's son right there. And my mom was like, yeah, that's my son. And he was like, I would love to have him on my football team. And my mom was like, I would love for him to play football too. But as you can see, the situation that I'm in, I don't really have the finances to pay for him to play football. And my coach, Mary Larea, man, father figure to, to this day, um, I gave him my Super Bowl jersey, you know, that was fresh off my back because, you know, it was really him, man. He was the, the main one who started it. So he was like, don't worry about no money. Don't worry about none of that. You know, bring him to practice, you know, and I'll take care of all the finances. I'll pay for him to play football and all that. So me and my mom got on the bus, Santa Teresa Bulldogs. <laughs> we went to play. And ever since then, man, my coach, he would, you know, nights he would let me stay over his house. You know, he became a father figure to me, paid for me to play all my years of Pop Warner all the way up until high school, man. And and that's how I got started. That's amazing. And then and then things eventually stabilized for you a little bit when you, you moved in with your grandma. Was that in high school? Yeah, man. So it was a real tough situation, man. Me and my mom had left the Bay, not not the Bay Area, but we had left San Jose and we we had went to Sacramento, you know, because Sacramento was a little cheaper. And, you know, so we went to Sacramento, but you know, the 
things were still the same. We were still in and out of motels. We was still homeless, sleeping on park benches. It was still hard, you know, and my mom was off and on from drugs and all that stuff too. So it was, it was still hard. So one time, man, it was, we were in the motel and we ain't have no food. We, we probably haven't ate probably day and a half going on two days. And mm. I went to, I went to a pizza parlor in Sacramento and I told the guy, I said, man, I don't got no money. I said, we homeless. I said, my mom don't got no money. My sister don't got no money. I said, man, I just want a pizza. I said, and I promise you, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I promise you I'll pay you back, man. And my man in the pizza parlor, man, he gave me a pizza and he said, here, son, you know, and me and my mom, my sister, we ate the pizza and, you know, fast forward a little bit. When I got drafted, I went back to Sacramento. I went back to that pizza parlor and I gave that man his money back. And I told him, man, he did a good thing, man, for a young kid that was hungry and starving. And, you know, mom and sister were starving. And, you know, I we sat down, we ate some pizza <laughs> and I and I gave him his money back. But after that situation, man, I just told my mom that, you know, let me go with my grandma. You know, let you, you know, you don't got to worry because my sister was older. You know, my sister had her friends. She would be in and out, out with her friends, staying with her friends, too. So I just told my mom, let me go with my grandma. You know, and you get yourself on your feet. You know, you ain't got to worry about taking care of me, lugging me around with you. I said, and let me go stay with grandma. So I went to go stay with my grandma back in San Jose. And I was able to finally get some stability and go to the same high school for four years. I went to Gunnerson High School um, and I was able to stay with her and, you know, had the same friends and all that good stuff. And it's crazy because the Santa Teresa Bulldogs, we played our games at Gunnerson High School. So when I came back to San Jose and went to Gunnerson High School, those was all my friends that I played Pop Warner with in high school. So it was like a it was like a family reunion. So, you know, once I got that, man, I got some stability, you know, play football, play basketball, did track it at Gunnerson High School. And then I received a scholarship to San Jose State, man. First one in my family to to ever see the campus of a college, to ever go to college. Uh, first one in my family to obviously ever graduate man and you know it was a blessing what was the recruiting process like for you because you played did you play quarterback in high school I played receiver my first three years and then my senior year I played quarterback the the, the coach had got fired his son was the quarterback and he took his son to a different high school with him so my coach was like shoot man hey you an athlete <laughs> let's put you at this quarterback position man for one year and you know and let you go to work but I already had some decent offers you know what I mean from uh from 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 colleges at, at receiver you know so you know going to quarterback wasn't wasn't really you know a problem for me you know the the, the, the school still knew I was I was a wide receiver so right. I did that man we had a really good year I bought out at quarterback man and I ended up going to San Jose State I had some I had some pack pack 10 offers at the time not pack 12 pack 10 offers at the time you're making it sound um, old but, bro when you say pack 10 you, like know, that. What I, you know what I'm saying so you know, but San Jose State, man, it, it was home. And then at the time, man, you know, two days before signing day, my mom had got rushed to the hospital and she had a 17 pound tumor in her belly the size of a football. Wow. So we didn't know what was going to happen with her. So my decision to stay at home and, you know, just make sure I, I could be there for her. And then not only that, I fell in love with my coach, man, Keith Williams you know, who's, who was in my wedding, who was at as a father figure to me as well, man. And, you know, went to San Jose state and got it on from there. Let's take a quick break. Uh, and then back on the other side with James Jones here. 
Time for a quick break to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. The first is Greens Plus, a leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood powder into a bar. Greens Plus bars and powders are the best tasting, most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body needs from organic, gluten-free, premium green superfoods. You can get it at Whole Foods, Amazon, or greensplus.com. We're going to give you free shipping and 20% off today if you use the promo code HELLY. That's greensplus.com. Also wanted to tell you about VACO. That's V-A-C-O. At VACO, they invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of theirs. VACO is a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. Areas of expertise include C-suite search, accounting, finance, technology, healthcare IT, operations, administration, and international managed services. Founded by my good buddy, Brian Waller, and a couple of his friends. In 2002, Vaco has grown to serve over 40 markets across the globe. They have 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. Check them out at Vaco.com. That's V-A-C-O.com for more info on how Vaco connects people to their dream jobs and helps leading companies find talent to grow their businesses. All right, so we're back, JJ. Uh, you are a third-round draft pick after that great career at San Jose State by the Packers in 2007. The reason that year stands out to most of us is because it was Brett Favre's last year with uh, yeah. Green Bay. So how lucky are you coming in as a rookie, right? You get Favre's sure. last year, and then you move on to Aaron Rodgers, but you lived all that. You lived that that transition and your yeah. your first training camp there with Favre, you're stepping into a wide receiver room with the likes of Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. I think Ruvel Martin was there as well. Yeah, Ruvel Martin, Robert Ferguson was there. What what was that yeah. like? First of all, that first training camp with a legendary quarterback like like Brett Favre. It was crazy, man, because you know coming to Green Bay, you know from California. The only guy you do know or heard of on the team is Brett Favre. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like Donald Driver had had a great career. Donald Driver was a baller. Al Harris was a baller. You know what I mean? But, you know, when you hear the Green Bay Packers, you hear Brett Favre. And I'm a receiver. I'm like, man, I'm I'm going to play with Brett Favre. This is, this is crazy. And, you know, when I first got there, I was on the second team with Aaron. You know, because Aaron was the backup. So I was on the second team with Aaron. And me and Aaron was lighting the place on fire. And the very first time coach tossed me in there with Brett, I had a curl route. He threw me the curl route and I dropped it. And I said, oh, oh shoot. <laughs> I said, he ain't going to throw me another ball. <laughs> I ain't going to see another ball ever again. But it's crazy because after he threw me the curl ball, he flexed. He flexed his arm like, yeah, that heat coming, young fellow. I'm, 
I'm throwing that heat and he kind of just made a joke about it. And I'm like, man, it wasn't even coming that hard, man. I just <laughs> dropped it. But I started, I started laughing because I'm like, man, this dude this is a cool cat right here, man. You know what I mean? But I'm like, dude, I'm on the second team and Aaron is spinning that ball. He He's right. throwing it harder than ever. So I'm like, man, I should be able to catch this. But I was just blessed, man, to really come into a situation, man, to have Brett Favre, Bonafide Hall of Famer, throwing me the ball my rookie year and then going into Aaron Rodgers, who we all knew was going to be going to be special. And, and it's actually crazy because going into the first game, we're doing a mock walkthrough. And at the time, it's Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, and Robert Ferguson starting. Uh, we call it the package Zebra. So we out doing a mock walkthrough before the first preseason game. And coach is like, zebra, zebra, zebra. And, you know, I'm over there messing around with my rookies, but I'm focused as well. You know right. what I mean? And coach yells, JJ, pay attention. Zebra. I said, Z. I said, I know you said zebra. <laughs> I said, shoot, I ain't been in first zebra all, all training camp all year. What you looking at me for? And he was like, go. He was like, get Robert. And I'm like, okay. So I jog out there and I get Robert and everybody in the huddle double take at me. They looked at me they, and I'm like, oh, shoot. You know what I mean? And as a rookie, you don't, you don't even have a clue what's going on. You just right. running around with your head cut off playing football, trying to make plays. You don't even, you ain't even into the politics and all that of the whole situation. I didn't know me jogging into the huddle meant like, oh, shoot, Robert Ferguson going to get cut. You know what I mean? They putting the young fella in here. But when coach said, JJ, go get Robert, I told him no. I said, I don't want to go with the ones. <laughs> Did you I really? Said, I said, yes. I told Jimmy Robinson, no, coach. I said, I don't want to go with the ones. I said, I know Brett Favre special and all this, but I've been in this huddle and training camp on Aaron Rodgers the whole time. Me and Aaron Rodgers got chemistry. You know what I mean? He's spinning me the ball. I'm like, this is my first preseason game. I'm not a veteran. I got to go out here and really show what I can do. Yeah, I know in training camp I've been balling. That's why you're trying to put me out here. But I'm like, no, coach, I want to go with Aaron. You know what I mean? He was like, go. <laughs> He's like, are you crazy, kid? And he was like, go. Get out. I understand all that you said, but get out of here, man. So I went, and it's crazy because the next day, Robert Ferguson, my brother, my guy, they had released him. They had cut him the next day. But, man, you know, I was like, shoot, you know, because Robert, he took me under his wing, even though he knew the whole situation that J.J. getting drafted, he coming here, possibly could take my spot and all that stuff, you know. And he still was a stand-up guy, man, helping me with any and everything, man. And I went in there with Brett. Um, the very first drive, my first preseason touchdown, I ran the wrong route, stole the touchdown from Donald Driver. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, they always say run the wrong route, get the ball. You know what I mean? So we had a we had a drive concept on. I was supposed to run a 10, 10 yard in. We called it a basic route and Donald Driver was supposed to go on the drive route. Brett said, hike. I just took off on the drive route. Donald froze. <laughs> Brett threw me the ball, you know, first touchdown, first level leap of preseason, man, <laughs> you know, came on the wrong route. But like I said, man, I've been blessed, man, to go from Brett to 12. The Derek Carr, I've been blessed. You started nine games that rookie year, and you guys made it, I believe, to the conference championship game against the Giants. Yeah. After that first year, were you like, man, this is going to be easy? 
man, it's crazy you said that. I'm like, why is all these coaches and players talking about the NFL is hard to win? I'm like, we 13. I'm like, we 13 and three NFC championship. I just knew we was going to the Super Bowl. And not only that, we was 13 and three. And I felt like we should have easily been 16 and 0. That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, man, this here, this game right here is easy. You know what I mean? I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, sure, we got all these guys coming back, Charles Woodson, all these guys. And then the next season with Aaron Rodgers, we went six and ten. And I'm like, man, what is going on? <laughs> like, this ain't this ain't how it's supposed to be. So then I got a little taste of it. Like, man, it is hard to win, man. Year by year, you got to prepare, man, because it's hard to win in this league. Well, you had that automatic connection with Aaron just because you guys were running with the twos your rookie year. Yeah. So did that make the transition from Favre to Rodgers a lot easier? Because you said you could tell right away that that, that Aaron was eventually going to be the guy. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. You know, like like right now you hear Devontae talk. Our talk was different. <laughs> Our talk when we knew Brett was leaving, everybody's like, what are you going to do? All the receivers like, we are fine. Yeah. <laughs> we are just we are just fine. Don't y'all even worry. We got a kid back here. And yeah, we didn't know he was going to be like this. You know what I mean? But we were like, we got a kid back here that can make all the throws. He's special. You know what I'm saying? We are we are going to be just fine. You know, and he ended up turning into the, to this guy. You know what I mean? That's, you know, arguably the best to ever do it. But we knew 12 was special. But you're right, man. I'm in there with the twos. Me and Aaron instantly connection, man. You know, just chemistry was there. We were we was lighting training camp on fire, you know. So me and him had had better chemistry early. Then more than Greg Jennings and Donald Driver when we first started, man, you know, just because we've been in training camp and we've been practicing with each other for the last two years, Donald and Greg been in the, been in there with the ones practicing with Brett. So it was really kind of like I was going into year two with Aaron and they were going into year one. Well, and then I guess it's three years later, it was your fourth season. You guys uh, win Super Bowl 45. You beat Pittsburgh. Uh, you had five yeah. catches in that game. I always ask guys this, were the, were the butterflies for the Super Bowl unlike anything you have ever experienced or because you had that entire week leading up to the game, was it more normal than you expected? You know what? It, it wasn't really like nervous butterflies. I wasn't nervous. I mean, sure, we was prepared. Like you said, we had an extra week to prepare for the game. We knew what we was going to take advantage of. But the adrenaline that was just pumping through your body in that in that game was was absolutely ridiculous. And it's something that I would want every NFL player to experience, man. Really every person that ever played football to experience because it's just a different feeling. So during the whole playoff run, I had dislocated my ring finger on my right hand and I dislocated my middle finger on my left hand. So oh. the whole playoff, so the whole playoff run, I'm getting both my hands shot up. Right. So these these four fingers in the middle or, or two on two on each hand were numb. I could not feel them the whole playoff run. So I'm out there at Super Bowl and Pam Oliver comes up to me and she's like, JJ, how you feeling? And this is in pregame. She's like, JJ, how you feeling? And I'm like, man, I, I feel really good right now. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I feel really good. And I'm just catching the ball from Aaron. Boom, boom. And I finally realized, like, I did not shoot my hands up. And oh, I cannot really? feel, and I cannot feel nothing. Like 
Aaron couldn't even throw me the ball in practice because they like, you can't shoot them up every day. You don't want to shoot them up in practice. So in practice, I would run my route, but they would know not to throw me the ball because I can't catch it. My fingers is all messed up. I got to wait till the game, shoot these things up. So I wouldn't even catch any balls in practice because the pain was just ridiculous. I'm out here in pregame catching footballs and I don't even, I don't feel nothing. And I'm like, my adrenaline is kicking that much to where I really do not feel my fingers. And the doc walked up to me like, man, let's go shoot your hands. And I'm like, I don't need it. (laughs) I'm like, like, man, I don't need it. I'm like, I really do not feel my fingers. I don't know what's going on right now, but I really do not feel it. I'm like, doc, I don't need it. He was like, all right. He was like, we'll wait till halftime. If you want to get them shot up at halftime, we'll do it. And at halftime, I was, it was still coming. And I, the adrenaline was still up. I did not have to get my hands shot up. It was, it was just, it was crazy. How did it you, so during the previous playoff games, when you would get your hands shot up, uh, so if, if you're listening to this and you're not watching on YouTube, it was the ring finger and the middle finger, essentially on both hands. So he, he, he was playing with his forefinger yeah. and pinky and thumb. Were you just trying to catch yeah. it with like the other fingers and the, how did you do that? Well, well, I mean, I knew it wouldn't hurt once it hit. So I didn't care how it hit my hands, but I just knew that the ones that I could feel, I got to squeeze the ball with that with those fingers. You know what I mean? But nice. I knew that once Aaron threw it, like, at least I wasn't feeling the pain. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I couldn't feel the ball with those four fingers, but I could feel the ball with my, my pointer and my pinky and my thumb. You know what I mean? And I would just squeeze it, squeeze it with those, man. But it was crazy. But I got used to it, man. After after the first game in Philadelphia, I, I, I got used to it. And, you know, it was like, hey, you know, I got to work these other fingers that, that's moving. But as long as I don't feel that pain when Aaron is throwing that ball, that's all I care about right now. <laughs> man, you got that win. You know, that's what everybody plays for. You get that Super Bowl ring. That's and- it. And then the ebbs and flows of your career were just were just wild. You leave Green Bay for a nice contract with the Raiders, your your hometown team, and you did a lot of work in the community. And I believe you led the Raiders that year in receptions and and touchdowns. And yeah. then they let you go. You go to the uh, Giants, and then they release you. Uh, I believe at the yeah. end of the preseason, and then you end up back in Green Bay. And I saw somewhere <laughs> that you were saying when you went back to Green Bay. There were a couple hundred people waiting for you at the airport. It was, man. I, I went. It's crazy because I'm, I'm, I'm in New York, and I'm, you know, the Packers are playing the preseason game. We have practice, so I come off the practice field, and I have calls from a million people from Green Bay, and I'm like, "What is going on?" So my wife texts me, "Jordy's done." So I, she was the first person I called back. Right. And I said, what you mean? Well, Jordy's done. And she's like, babe, he tore his ACL. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, you got you got to be kidding me. So then I look at my phone and it's Randall Cobb. It's Jordy. It's Jordy. <laughs> it's Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, so I call him back and they're like, you got to get here. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, how am I going to get there, man? I said, I'm with the Giants, man. How am I going to get there? They say, we don't care what you got to do. I don't care if you drop every ball. <laughs> but you <laughs> you got to get back here. And in my head, I'm like, I understand what y'all are talking about, but I got a family to feed, man. I can't be out here dropping every ball. And right. it's not you know, just 100% that I'm coming back to Green Bay. So, once the Giants told me they released me, my agent called me three seconds later and said, get on the plane. You go on to Green Bay. Green Bay wants you, you know. And 
So I got on the plane. When I got off the plane, yes, when I got off the plane, it was at least 300, 400 people there, Dan, just waiting, cheering That's me on. That's crazy, I'm like, JJ. I'm like, I'm like, man, I feel like Brett Favre is here. Like, y'all, <laughs> I said, y'all love me that much? I said, I, man, I said, this love, I appreciate the love, man. It made me feel real good, man. You know, and I was just, I just signed a bunch of people autographs that was there and all that type of stuff. Went back to Green Bay, had a good year, man. But it's just crazy, man, because I tell people about that situation. You know, you're getting a lot of rooms, especially wide receiver rooms, DB rooms, whatever. And you're getting a lot of rooms, and and it, and it tends to be about the money, the playing time, how many times you could get the ball, all that, all that stuff. You know what I mean? And we had a really good room. You know what I mean? Like, like I, that. That's one room that I I could truly say we was brothers. When Jordy caught a ball, I felt like I caught it. When Randall caught it, Devontae caught it, Greg caught it, Donald caught it. I felt like I caught it. And I feel like that was all of us, man, down, down, down the board, man. We all wanted to see each other succeed. And when I walked in the building, Jordy Nelson was the first one to greet me. Welcome wow. back, JJ. We need you. We miss you. And this is a guy that has an ACL tour, season done. You know what I mean? He, he, he up there in his career in age, you know what I mean? And he was the first one. JJ, boom, first, first dude's house I went to. We had pizza, chopping it up and all that. And he was just like, man, it's good to have you back. And it, I tell people all the time, and it's crazy, like we really had a brotherhood hood going on over there, man. But it was real good just to be able to come back finish my career where I started, man, have a really good year in Green Bay and 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 be able to finish my career there. Yeah, six touchdowns in your first six games back and you finished with a with a career high, 890 yards and then eight tugs on the season. And for some reason, they didn't re-sign you, which probably, was, as yeah. you, you know, listed one yeah, of many, exactly. many issues that Aaron has <laughs> with the uh, organization. Yeah, exactly. But you, you know what else yeah. that year? That, that whole hoodie thing, you made yeah. it famous and then it got banned. How did that come about? I know we've talked about this before, but share with our listeners how you wearing your hoodie underneath your shoulder pads came about that year. So, you know, the cold weather teams, you know, all the guys do it in practice. When it starts getting cold and you practicing outside, you have your sweats on over your game pants, you have your hoodie on under your shoulder pads. You're just trying to stay warm. And we're practicing, getting ready for Minnesota, about to play outside at the Gopher Stadium. And, you know, coach is telling us, yeah, it's going to be negative 10, could push to negative 17. And we were out at practice, and uh, all the guys are standing by the heater, and it's about it's about negative five. It was cold. And I'm mm. like, man, I feel – I looked at Randall as he was standing by the heater. I'm like, dude, I feel really good right now. I said, it could just be this – It could just, I could just be having a good day. I said, but I feel really good. I'm not cold. I feel real comfortable. So the next day it was about the same temperature. I came out there in the same clothes. And I told Randall, I said, Randall, I'm wearing this hoodie in the game. I feel amazing. Like I'm not worried about the cold. I'm not frozen. Like like I'm playing in the dome. He said, number one, JJ, you're going to look stank. (laughs) (laughs) I said, man, hey, I ain't about winning no fashion contest right now, man. I said, I'm about staying warm. He said, and number two, I guarantee you, you're not going to wear this hoodie. I said, bro, I'm wearing this hoodie. I said, it ain't against the rules as long as it's team colors and all that. I said, I'm wearing this hoodie. So in pregame in the game, I came out with the hoodie and everybody's laughing at me. They're like, I I promise you're going to take it off once we get back in. I said, I am wearing this thing. And then I wasn't on Twitter at the time. I didn't get on Twitter till I signed with the network. I didn't have no Instagram, nothing. So as I'm rocking this hoodie in the game, 
you know, some of the trainers is coming up to me like, dude, you are trending on Twitter right now. The world is going crazy. I remember. Of your hoodie. <laughs> and then when I when we got out in, back into the locker room, man, Devontae, Randall, Aaron, everybody is like, dude, your hoodie is going crazy on Twitter and all this type of stuff. I said, man, I was just a brother out here trying to stay warm. Man, that's, that's it, man. And then it blew up, man. And then everybody started wearing it and they banned it. I'm like, why are you banning something that's keeping dudes warm out there, man, in these cold games, man? I don't understand it. I can't believe you know nobody ever grabbed the hoodie, right? Like that's what I worry about with the guys with dreads was is yeah. somebody grabbing the dreads. Nobody ever tackled you by the hoodie? No, nobody ever tackled me by the hoodie. And and that was one of their main concerns about banding it. But I'm like, dude, like you said, people have I'm like, people have long hair. I said, right. if somebody pulls your hair, you think you're gonna keep running? No, you're gonna give yourself up. You got me. <laughs> I'm gonna go down. So I'm like, if somebody ever pulled my hoodie, I'm just gonna go down. You know, it's not like I'm gonna try to choke myself and break the tackle. Oh, you got me by the hoodie. You got me. So I'm like, I'm like, man, you know, it just sucks they banned it. Cause like I said, it was a lot of dudes out there that I knew, like, was like, thank you, JJ, because I am warm in this hoodie out here <laughs> in this cold weather. Yeah, that was that was a nice little fashion statement. And then you come in and join us in NFL network, and didn't you get a suit made with a hoodie on it? I did, man. The first Super Bowl that I came and joined the network at, man, I had a I had a built-in hoodie on my suit, man, just to just to add some hoodie swag, man, to continue the trend going on the suit, man. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, I remember that, dude. Uh, well, and and you know, unlike a lot of guys, first of all, I've said this a number of times. It's it's the best transitional job for any former player to come to be able to do television, whether it's working for a team or working for ESPN or NFL Network or Fox, whoever it is, because you guys still have a little piece of that locker room that you had yeah. when you played and you got your guys and we would chop it up in the locker room or the green room or wherever it was, the cafeteria. And so you still have that. And you have a, you know, a couple of days, you guys would fly in, you do the shows. And unlike some other guys, you were breaking a few stories here and there and it's still yeah. are. Was the first one, was the first big story that you broke, was that Jordy to the Raiders? Yeah, the first big story I broke was Jordy to the Raiders. And it's crazy because, like, it wasn't even my idea. Jordy called me and he's like, JJ, what's up? You trying to you trying to be the next uh, Adam Scheffner, Ian Rappaport? I'm like, what you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, man, he's like, I'm trying to give you the info, man. He said, I'm about to sign with the Raiders. I said, oh, shoot. I said, this is going to be my first breaking news right here, man. My brother, Jordy Nelson, going to the Raiders. I said, absolutely, I want to uh, tweet this thing out, man, and be the first to break it. And then once I broke Jordy's, Aaron called me like, you better believe it. There's nobody that I want breaking my story other than my brother that I played with. Why would I want some of these guys that I don't even know or ain't even played with to break my story? I want you to break it. I said, hey, just let me know when you're going to get it done, man, and I'll tweet it out. So then I started becoming the breaking news guy over there around the network, man, on some of these dudes from, uh, from Green Bay. But it was it was just crazy how it happened because I'm I was actually sitting at home on the couch with the wife, and Jordy was like, hey, man. You know, get ready. I'm about to go to go to the Raiders, break this news. I said, you better believe it. And every then everybody was like, hey, we're not believing nothing until JJ breaks it. We don't care. I love it. That is <laughs> we so don't good. Care. We don't care if Ian breaks it. We don't care if Adam Schefter breaks it. If, if we ain't heard from JJ, we don't know if it's true. <laughs> so are we gonna are we gonna hear what's next from Aaron Rodgers from James Jones? 
absolutely, man. Once once I once I get all the info that twelve is going back to Green Bay, man, I'm a, I'm gonna fill everybody in on 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 him going back, man. I'll be the one breaking the news. Well, I love that you're so <laughs> confident about him staying in Green Bay because I, I I saw something the other day that Bart Starr played 16 seasons in Green Bay. Yeah, Brett Favre played 16 seasons in Green Bay, and Aaron has now played 16. Nobody at the quarterback position has ever played 17, 17 seasons in Green yeah. Bay. Yeah, it's, it's it's about to change, man. I don't I don't think he leaves that place, and and I definitely don't think he's gonna hold out. He's just not that guy, you know what I mean? He loves his teammates. He loves being out there on the field with him. I can't see him holding out. That's why, you know. Hey, my glass is definitely more than half full. I think we'll see Aaron back soon. Well, that's good news for all the Packers fans. JJ, it has been a, a minute since we've seen each other in person, but I I so appreciate the time, my man. Good luck with everything down the road. Not a problem, man. Thanks for having me, brother. All right, man. Talk to you soon.